mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's sing, come all you weary. Come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water. Come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners. Come on. Come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Come on, sing it out, for God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one failures. Bring all your failures. Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. See his open arms for God so God so loved the world. 
Midtown, we have heard the gospel. Amen? God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that we could bring all of the things that plague us, all of the things that are broken within us, all of the things that we have done to others that have wounded them, we bring them all to the foot of the cross. And we say, Jesus, we don't know what to do with these things, but you do. And for that, we praise him. Amen? We gather to be changed by the living God, the one who is worthy of all of our lives, not just our words here on Sunday mornings, but the God who is alive, who has given himself for us, to us, that we might live in him. We respond with worship this morning because he is worthy. So we're going to read some verses from Psalm 147. They'll be up on the screen. Let's read them aloud together. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Lord, we, we know that you are in this space, but we welcome you into the space within us. The living God who names the stars, we ask that you would come and dwell and meet with us this morning.
dig here for a little bit, Jonathan, and we'll just go prayer room style for a moment. I can't put my finger on exactly what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to discern in my spirit because, you know, you look around the room, the room is full, hands are up, but I just feel like, guys, there's an assignment that we have today, and I'm just here to announce that to you. So I just, I'm just sensing that we need a little bit more agreement in the room. That's the only way I know how to, to say this. Now, if you're here with us today for the first time, or if, if you're new to the family, I want you to relax. But if you're one of the, if you're one of the faithful pillars in the house, I'm speaking to you today because I just need us to dig in a little bit right now because we got some work to do in the spirit. There's some assignments and there's some targets that we've got to hit. And the only way that I know how to do this is to call those that are the worshipers and the prayers to just step a little bit right now. I just need you to step in a little bit right now and to stir your spirit man up right now. So if you can pray in the Holy Ghost, I just want you to pray in the spirit. If you're walking into this space and you're like, Pastor, I'm coming in, I'm heavy. I'm coming in, I'm grieving. Listen, I just want you to know there's room for that. And we just lay that right now at the feet of the Lord. Let every heavy burden be lifted off of you. Let every weight, let every shackle, let all condemnation be lifted off of you. And right now, we're going to lay some things down at the feet of Jesus so that we can dial in right now. We can dial in. Holy Spirit of the living God. Yay! Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of the living God, right now. I am asking that you would bring us into a breakthrough place. I am asking that you would bring us into a breakthrough place in our mind in our imagination, in our focus, in our tenacity. Oh, Spirit of the living God, I pray grace be poured out right now. Lord, I pray those of us who are in pain, pain would be lifted so that we can focus on worshiping and praising God. Lord, those of us who came in carrying heavy burdens, now I pray you'd lift them so that we can focus on praising God, so that an atmosphere can be created, so that the heavens can be opened so that our prayers can be empowered, so that the anointing of God can fall and rest. God, so that we can hit the mark and that we can hit the target for why you have assembled us and called us together today. So Spirit of the living God, we stir up our spirit man right now. We stir up our spirit man right now. We stir up our spirit man right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of the living God, we give you a sacrifice of praise. We give you a sacrifice of praise today. Oh, come on, friends. Will you lift up your hands and give him some good praise? We worship you. Glory to God in heaven. Glory to God forever. Oh, you are good and you are worthy. And you are worthy. And you are deserving of my best worship. And you are deserving of my best praise and you are deserving of my sacrifice, and you are deserving of my allegiance. So God, today, anoint my worship. Anoint our worship today. Holy Spirit of the living God, fall. Bring a spirit of unity in this room in the name of Jesus. Let's go back. Oh, praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your, your blood still speaking. 
need you. How we need you. How we need you. How we need you.
to our God. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you are here. And we recognize you're here in this place. And you have empowered us today. You have empowered us to worship you. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask for your empowerment to come and to pray and to stand together on behalf of those who are desperate, God, who are desperate for a miracle in this place and in this world, Father. Family, just like Jade was just up here exhorting you, I know there are so many needs in this place, and this is normally the time when we come and we speak a word of encouragement to you. But today I'm gonna ask that today we focus outside of these four walls. Because yes, a lot of us have some major, major, major needs and we are in need of major miracles. And after service, there will be people down here who are ready and prepared to agree and to stand with you. Please don't leave this place without having someone stand and agree with you for what you are needing. But sometimes, Sometimes the Lord asks us in our greatest needs to step out and pray for others who are also in need. And so we're gonna do that this morning. Over the weekend, I received a couple of really, really, really major urgent prayer requests from some of our partners. Uh, New Life partners with about 60, 64, 65 um, global partners around the world. And we partnered with some people who were in very, very difficult regions. And because of live stream um, and because of the age groups that are in the room, I'm going to be really careful um, and very discreet on how I describe what we're praying for. Maybe kind of read between the lines, parents and adults. Um, But one of the needs I received was from one of our pastors in Asia, in a nation in Asia, I'll just say that. And they are raising up church planners. I was actually just there in February and got to meet a lot of these church planners who are going into regions of unreached people groups. And guys, these aren't regions where people are real open. These are regions where it is illegal to preach the gospel, where it is illegal to lead people to Christ. But these church planners are going for it. They know they're laying their lives down on the line and they're going for it. Well, over the past month, month and a half, about seven of his church planners have been imprisoned. Two of those are women who are pregnant, about to give birth in a prison. And these, these prisons are not, I mean, our prisons aren't good. Just imagine third world country prisons, okay? So they're in prisons and they are in desperate desperate need. Their families are grieving, but they're crying out to the Lord. Many of them are fasting. Many of them are praying for favor and for release um, and for protection, particularly over these women who, who may end up having to give their babies and uh, have their babies, deliver their babies in these prison walls. So we're going to stand for them today. I told this pastor friend of ours, we are going to stand with you at Midtown and we're going to believe for miracles. The second thing we're praying for is another very, very highly secure issue, but Another one of our partners, this partner's particularly from Midtown um, in Asia, they um, have been in this region for about four years now and have built a lot of great relationships. Well, one of their indigenous brothers from this region was tricked into going to another nation. Long story short, he has been grafted into human um, trafficking. And so he is in a very, very dire situation, literally life and death. Um, as we speak. And so we are going to pray. We're going to rally. We're going to believe for a miracle. It will take a literal miracle for this man, but we serve a God who does miracles. We serve a God who every day is doing what no man or person or human can do. 
And so we don't come at this with fear, but we come with this in faith and trusting and believing that God is first and foremost with them. And secondly, he is moving and working on their behalf. And that what the enemy means for evil, God will turn for good. All right. And then the last thing, and I'm going to go have Team Eswatini. If you can just be on deck right up here to my left. We're going to be praying out Team Eswatini. They leave this Friday to go to our care point. You'll be hearing more about our care point in the, in the next month or so. But they're going to be going and, and, and loving on and caring for the children that we sponsor in this area. Loving on the mamas who care for these children. So we're going to be laying hands on them and sending them out. Those of you guys who know them, don't come up yet. But in a minute, go ahead and come up and, and lay hands on them as we send them out. But let's go ahead and let's agree together. Jade and I are going to kind of tag team on this. And let's begin to cry out for God on behalf of our brothers and sisters who live in persecuted nations, who are paying the ultimate sacrifice so that the gospel gospel could be made known to a people who don't know it. So Father, right now, God, we cry out to you. Lord, would you move heaven and earth for our brothers and sisters? Lord, would you move heaven and earth for them? Lord, would you be near, be near to our brothers, sisters in the prison? and in chains because they've laid their life down to for your gospel lord i pray that you would be near to them i pray that the holy spirit would empower them i pray that the voice of the lord would come upon them lord just as you were with paul and silas lord god in the prison i pray that lord you would be with them that worship would arise within them that lord you would cause a move of the spirit to happen within those prison cells lord that people and and, and prisoners and, and 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 guards lord would come to to know Jesus, that Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, you will turn for good. Lord, we do ask for favor upon their lives. God, we ask that their lives could be preserved. God, we ask that these women, Father God, that you would cover them and guard them. That Lord, as they bring their babies forth, those babies would come full to term, that they would be born healthy and whole. In the name of Jesus, God, be near to the families. I speak peace. I speak comfort. I speak faith over the families. In the name of Jesus, Lord, would you cover those families? As many of them are vulnerable when their husbands are in prison. So God, would you cover them? Would you guard them? Would you hide them from the enemy, I pray? And Lord, we ask that the chains would come loose, that the prison doors would be opened up, and that, Lord, your glory would be made manifest and known in a region that does not know it. Strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name. Well, God, we're calling on the God of the book of Acts. We're calling on the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're calling on the God who sent angels and opened up prison doors and Peter walked out right past guards. We're calling on the God of Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas were in prison. God, suddenly there was a sound of a mighty earthquake and every one of the prison doors flew open, God, and we're praying right now for the God of power to come. We're praying, oh God, for deliverance. We're praying, oh God, for miracles. We're praying, oh God, that you would hide these brothers and sisters under the shadow of your wings. Oh God, we're praying that as they lift up their eyes and lift up their voices and lift up their faith and lift up their song, that it would confound, that it would confound, God, God, that it would confound their enemies. Lord, I'm asking that you would turn the hearts of their enemies I'm asking that you would step into these compounds and that, God, that you would break up injustice and immorality and corruption. 
Spirit of the living God, I pray that you would bring strength and peace to our brothers and our sisters around the world who are suffering for their faith, who are persecuted, who are imprisoned, who are being tortured. Oh, Spirit of the living God, come strengthen them. Give them a perseverance. Reveal Jesus to them. Fight on their behalf, oh God, we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, oh God. Uh, Lord, we're just asking that you would burden Midtown. God, that you would burden Midtown. God, that you would put a spirit of intercession in this house. God, that you would wake us up in the midnight hours. God, we're asking that you would train us to be holy warriors in the place of the Spirit. God, that we would be a people that are not asleep, that we would be awake. That we would be a people who know how to do business in the place of the Spirit and change history. So God, we're, we're just saying, would you not look past Midtown, God? Would you recruit us into your holy agenda? We pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say, I agree. Team Eswatini, come right up here up front, if you would. For the past four or five months, this team has been preparing. They've been working. They've been meeting. And there's been several adjustments and changes that have taken place in the past four and five months. The team that started is not the team that's being sent out, but the team that is being sent out is the team that God wants to be sent out. And what I want you guys all to know, particularly for those of you who are new for the past five to six years, we have entered into a long-term relationship with a small little community up in the mountains of Ensaguini, which is located in Eswatini, which is located right in the northeast corner of South Africa. And we have been sending out one to two teams every year for the past six years because we made a commitment to these people that we're going to be your brothers and we're going to be your sisters and the dreams of God that you are dreaming for your place and for your people and for your children, we're going to come alongside those dreams. Financially, we're going to send people to you. We're going to love on your children. We're going to sponsor your children. We're going to make sure your kids have food to eat. We're going to make sure there's an opportunity for education to come. There's been an entire generation that has been decimated by the AIDS epidemic there several decades ago. And so it is literally a fatherless nation. And we are stepping into that gap to say we're going to be fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts and big brothers and big sisters. And that's what we're sending out today. So church, would you stretch forth your hands to this team? Because this team is a representation of you. This team is going on our behalf. Come on up here, those of you, past team members, friends, family members. Come on up here real tight. Lay hands on them. Hey, God, Holy Spirit of the living God, we thank you that you are a commissioning God, that you're a God of mission, that in the beginning in Genesis 12, you called Abraham out of his family and out of his country, and you said, come follow me, son. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless every nation through you. And God, that blessing to the nations, you have not let go of that promise. You promised a man that you were going to bless the nations through his lineage. And then out of his lineage came Jesus, who is the ultimate blessing to the nations. And so God, today we say that we are a nation's church, that we are a nation's ascending church. And in the authority of Jesus' name, we send this team out to go in power, to go in authority, to
to proclaim and declare the kingdom of God, to go and declare the gospel of the kingdom of God, to go under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said, I am anointed. I have been anointed for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach and to proclaim the gospel to the poor. So we anoint you and we commission you in the name of Jesus to proclaim the gospel to the poor, to open up blind eyes, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and those that are imprisoned spiritually and economically and relationally. We send you today on assignment to go to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to be the incarnational presence of Jesus himself, to bear witness to the work of God in Ensaguini and to say yes and amen and to bring blessing into that land, to release things into the soil of that land, to change atmospheres, to impart into the young ones, to change the destiny and the trajectory of the future of entire families, to bring people close and to reveal the heart of God, to impart sonship and daughterhood to an orphaned people. And we declare, may the power of God be upon you as we send you out in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, clap your hands for this team today, church. We serve a good God. And no matter what it looks like out there, he is good and he is at work. And he's bringing about his kingdom here and in the nations of the earth. And I'm so blessed to be a part. New Life, thank you for being a part and, and pressing into that. So, so important. Now we're going to go into a moment of giving. There are four ways to give. Those are up on the screen. We just ask that if you are family and you give to New Life Midtown and you're giving uh, online or via text that you would just uh, mark New uh, Midtown as your home church when you give. Normally we go into a giving liturgy, but just because of the nature of what we just did and some of the time, we're going to skip that for today. We'll be back to that next week, and we want to bless our children now. So kiddos, let's go ahead and stand up. I love that. I mean, just look around, guys. We are a multi-generational church. It is one of the things I love most about this place. We value from the cradle all the way to the grave because every life has purpose and meaning and value. So let's bless these children, whether they're yours or not. It's a village, so let's just reach out our hands if you see families next to you. Lord, right now we bless our children. And God, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done over them. In the name of Jesus, family, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We bless you, kids. We love you so much. Go and learn and be discipled. Family, we're going to take just a minute or two and just kind of greet the person next to you, and then we'll come back together for the word.
I think it was maybe the first Sunday, we heard we're starting table groups and we're like, well, this sounds amazing to actually get connected because we've never really taken that leap and done that. I was new to the church, so it was a great way to connect. I uh, wanted to grow my community and meet new people. We had heard how great it was and uh, you know, we, we wanted to get more plugged in at Midtown and, and we knew that was gonna be a great way to do that. There are so many just people that are sold out for Jesus and getting to know them and learning and digging deeper into the word, digging deeper into what we talked about on Sunday morning is amazing. Just being able to talk about the, um, the message beyond hearing it on Sunday and making it applicable to life and bringing it into our own situations with other people um, just really helps to kind of bring the message home. You should consider joining a small group because it's really going to help you get to know people in the church, to know how to pray for each other. I was going through a very difficult season in my life and these women, they saw me and they were there. They prayed with me, they prayed for me, they let me cry and they cried with me. And if you're like us uh, and a lot of other people, you've had church hurt and that sucks. And so one of the things you're going to have to do like we did is you have to be vulnerable uh, and we found that being vulnerable and stepping out, like we've received a ton of healing. Uh, being around believers, this, you know, just like believers hurt us, believers help to bring healing into our lives. But fitting it, making it a priority is, is definitely worth it and important. I think it's the difference between just attending a location on a Sunday morning versus belonging to a group of people. And that's what I feel like group has done for us. Like we probably would have just attended and been another person in a crowd and now we feel like we belong to these people. over with. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> oh, man, it was a little anticlimactic coming off that table group. I was like, yeah, table group. Oh, the bumper video. Hey, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Man, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. So glad that you're here with us. And uh, by the way, how many of you are in a table group? Let me just see by hands. Wow, 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 wow. That is amazing. Guys, thanks so much for showing up, for integrating and connecting. I don't know if you realize this, but this is a brand new church now. This is, an, this is a brand new church. For those of you who've been with us, this is like the fifth iteration of us being a brand new church over the past three. I'm not even kidding, right? Because, you know, like we, we rolled out of 2019. There were some struggles that happened. We roll into COVID. We come out of COVID, and guess what? It's a, it's a brand new church, you know? 40% of the people left, 40% of the people stayed, 30% of the people are watching online. I know the math doesn't work out, but it worked out, right? <laughs> it's a brand new church. And then, you know, we worked hard, we worked through that, and then we merged with New Life, March of 2021, and guess what? It's a brand new church. Okay, so we're learning how to merge and integrate into that larger family. 
uh, we're, we're finding our footing, and then for a solid couple of years, we gain momentum, we gain ground, and then all of a sudden, we have another church combination here just a few months ago, and say with me, it's a, it's a brand new church. Right? And so in order for us to not feel like we're outsiders and not just let it be a brand new church and not just kind of sit back and be passive with that, we got to dig in. And part of the way we do that is joining prayer groups, leaning in and worship, finding opportunities, kindred events, men's events, table groups. And for all of you who've decided, I'm not just going to come and be a consumer Christian. I'm not going to just come and be a passive Christian. I'm not going to just come and be, a, be a, an outsider or a spectator. Man, props to you. Great job. Thank you. For those of you who are still watching and discerning, may the Lord guide you. May the Lord bless you. And I believe, I'm just going to say this right now, this is one of the best churches in the city. And we got a lot of great churches in the city. we got a lot of great churches in the city. But this place, this place right here is full of people that are faithful and they are real about God and they're real about connecting with each other. And that phrase, are you kidding me? My hurt came through people in the church and my healing came through people in the church. And that's just the way that it works, you guys. That was incredible. So God bless you for joining table groups. I think there's still a couple of groups left. You can go out to the foyer and find out if those nights and those locations work for you. And I really hope it does. God bless you. So I'm kind of on a mission this morning. So I'm going to just skip right to the word because I got something that's burning inside of me. And I'm still, I'm still wrestling this thing out in the spirit, in my spirit. And so I just... I just need you to pray for a measure of anointing and grace on me. Before I launch into this, I want to welcome you, and I want to say thank you for joining our house today. I believe it's not an accident that you're here with us. I believe that God himself has invited you and drawn you into this space. And whether you come today and today only, or whether you come and be a part of this family, I believe that God has a word for you. I believe that God sees you. I believe that God is encountering you. And I believe that God wants you to know that he loves you beyond measure because he's a good father and he has called you beloved. He has called you son and he has called you daughter. And today God is at work on your behalf. At the turn, I had a very trusted man come up to me right after we prayed for the team. And he said, I just felt like the Lord dropped a scripture. And because he is a trusted man who's been with us for about 12 years and has shown himself to be faithful in his prophetic gift, I just almost take whatever he says as the word of the Lord. So I want to declare this scripture that he gave to me over you. We're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in to 1 Samuel. Hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Spirit of God, come. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Amen. Because the Lord has anointed me, say I'm anointed, to proclaim good news to the poor. I declare over you today, Midtown, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you to proclaim good news, that you are bearers and heralds of good news, that you are messengers of good news to the poor. I declare today over you that he has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. Think it not strange when you find that those that are around you who are brokenhearted, who are grieving, who are struggling, because God has sent you to be the very presence of God in their lives and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Father, we, cr we cry out today for an anointing of freedom and deliverance to rest on this house. 
that those who come into this place bound, they walk out free in the name of Jesus and released from darkness for the prisoners. Lord, I pray that the light of God that is upon this house would increase, that the intensity and the beauty of your light on us would increase, that those that are around us who are living in darkness would be so drawn to the light of God inside of us, Lord, that it pierces and penetrates through every blinder, every veil that is in their lives, and it brings revelation, and it brings freedom. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oh, Holy Spirit right now. Friends, if you're here today and you just feel like you're in an ashes season, if you feel like you're, you're in, a, in a season where just things have been burned down, loss, brokenness, shame, grief, regret, I just want you to lift up your hands. I want to declare beauty over you right now. I declare beauty over ashes, over lost dreams and broken dreams and burnt down dreams and burnt down destinies right now. I just declare the beauty of the Lord be upon you, and may the Lord give you beauty for ashes. May the Lord take things that have been incinerated by the pressure and the adversity of life, broken families, broken relationships, and I declare today, may the Lord just pick up every one of those broken pieces, pull them into himself, and by the creative, resurrecting, life-giving power of God, I pray beauty over your life today. I pray that the Lord would pour out oil, the oil of joy over your morning, and that he would give you a garment of praise instead of heaviness. In Midtown, I declare to you today that you will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. You are an oak of righteousness. You are an oak. You are an immovable oak of righteousness planted by streams of living water, and you will bear fruit in season, and I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we've been, well, we haven't been. Last week, we started a series called Kings and Kingdoms. We're pacing about a week behind from all the other New Life campuses and we're going back. We're not actually starting in 1 Kings. We're starting in 1 Samuel. And if you missed last week's message, I'd like to encourage you to actually jump on YouTube or Facebook. Just type in New Life Midtown and take a look at last week's message if you want to be tracking with where we're at. It was, it was a half-decent message. Hey, y'all, it was probably top five. There was something on that message. It was, there was just something on it. It was a now word. And we talked about a young woman by the name of Hannah, who in her grief and in her sorrow and in her despair, she just pulled all of that together and she learned how to pour her soul out before God. And we just left the story at that. So I want to jump into 1 Samuel and I want to talk about another figure today. I want to talk with you about the promise of God in her life, a young boy by the name of Samuel. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 10 through 11. And I've got to move because there's some places that we've got to get to in this that I think are for somebody in this room. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. 
and no razor will ever be used on his head. This is a Nazarite vow. And this Nazarite vow was for a select group of people in the Levitical priesthood that would say, you are set apart. The Levites and the priests were set apart, but it was like special forces. It was like another class of being consecrated and set apart. They never drank any fermented wine. They never drank any alcohol. They kept themselves completely pure all the days of their lives unto the purposes of God, and they didn't cut their hair. And in so doing, they were saying, God, our lives completely belong to you. Hannah knew what she was doing in this moment. Be careful about the promises that you make to God because he takes your vows and your dedications really seriously. This right here has changed the way that I look at child dedication. So when we get to that place, I'm just going to I'm going to talk you out of child dedications so that you know when you dedicate your kids, you know exactly what you're doing. Because you're essentially saying this child doesn't belong to me anymore. Lord, if you want to raise up my kids and send them to Somalia or send them out to Azerbaijan, if you want to take my kids and and turn them into something that I I don't even have a paradigm for in God, Lord, they're yours, they're not mine. That's what child dedication is. Child dedication is, God, I'm going to do my best to be a great parent and steward their lives, but in the end, their lives completely belong to you. And I stand as witness to this, and I say, so be it, God. That's what child dedication is. And God took her for her word, and he met her where she was at in this promise that, God, if you give me a son, he will literally belong to you. Let's look at the next verse here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Verse 27, she said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked, So now I give him to the Lord. She made good on her promise. For his whole life, say whole life, he will be given over. He will be consecrated. He will be dedicated. He will belong to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So God shows up in Hannah's anguish. And remember, this was years in the making. It took God years of allowing Hannah to go through pressure to push her in her pressure in adversity to a place of intensity that unlocked something in the place of the spirit that allowed her to birth something that God wanted to have in the earth. And that was a prophetic voice that was going to shake Israel and get them back on track to the things that he made promises for hundreds of years prior. It's incredible. And so she brings her son now to the temple and she presents her son to Eli. And I would just like to think, you know, Hannah's probably too pure for this, but in my mind, if I'm bringing my son to the guy who called me a drunk when I was praying, I would be like, hey, yo, look, check this out. I wasn't drunk after all, pal. Here's the promise of God. A little wink, a little wink and a nod. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Hannah didn't do that. I'm just telling you what I would do. Let's keep looking at the story, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to put this together for you. I just need you to walk with me. It's a very simple message, but it's going to be a journey. In the first 10 verses, we find that Hannah now lifts up a prayer of praise, a prayer of thanksgiving to God. And then in verse 11, we find that it says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah. Watch this. But the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. So the first thing that we find that is unique about this boy, Samuel, is that his mom was making these backroom deals with God. 
His mom was doing business with God, and before he came out of the mother's womb, he was marked. The hand of the Lord, the promise of God, the purpose of God, the destiny of God was resting on this boy. He didn't have a chance. He couldn't sin if he wanted to because she did some serious business, and she, she did some backroom bargaining with God. His life was committed to God before he ever took his first breath. The, the second thing that we find that I think is really interesting is that this boy grew up in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary of God. He grew up around the presence of the Lord. There was sacrifice that was involved in the formation of this young man's life. So we have to remember that Elkanah and Hannah did not live near the tabernacle. So like they literally, after the boy was weaned, Hannah said, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do as a mom. I'm going to make sure he's got all of his physical nutrients. And at the moment that he can fend for himself, he is now going to be given over completely to the place of God, to the presence of God, to the people of God, to the purposes of God. And I'm going to give him over. Child services would have had a really hard time with that. But in those days, this was a move on her part to say, you are now committed to a priestly vocation from the time he was a child. What's interesting is that the Levites of that day did not start service in the tabernacle or the temple until they were 25. Hannah said there's something different. He requires something different. The mission and the calling determine the training. The mission and the calling determine the process. Some of you sense a great calling on your life and you're wondering why you're going through such a difficult season. It's because the mission and the calling, the purpose on a person's life will actually determine the process that they walk through. Some of you look at the injustice that has happened to you. Some of you look at the brokenness of your life, and I'm here to announce to you today that the God who puts broken pieces together has something that is so good and powerful and beautiful on your life that he will take the broken places of your process and that he will put them together in such a way that there will be people that are affected by your testimony and by your life that could have never been otherwise. Don't despise the pain of the process because on the other side there is a purpose in that that is going to redeem people's lives. It is going to put other people's lives together through the brokenness that God has seen you through. She commits her child to the tabernacle of the Lord. And I want you to imagine, moms, what it must have felt like. Not only did she experience grief and anguish to birth Samuel, but now in order for her to be faithful to her vow that she made to get Samuel, it requires another level of pain as a mom to commit her son to the purposes of God. Like walking for God and living in the promises and the power and the purpose of God. Listen, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not all success stories. The way that the world defines success. All right? There are wrestling matches that we make with God to say, God, this hurts, but this is you. There's something bigger that is at stake so instead of allowing my kid to grow up within the confines of my home and instead of me going out and buying backpacks and new shoes for school and instead of feeling the warmth and hearing the giggles, I'm going to allow him to grow up in the presence of God because I agree with the purpose on his life. There's something there that I don't understand, but he needs that environment for his calling. He grew up 
in the presence of God, and his mom and dad visited him on a regular basis. Look at verse 18. We find in verses 12 through 17 that there's this prophetic word that comes against Eli, who is the ruling priest of that day, who is not orchestrating the responsibilities of the priesthood the way that he should. And so there's judgment in the form of discipline that is coming to Eli and his sons. And then right after this word comes, we find verse 18. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18 says, But Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Now, if you go back and you read about these two sons of Eli, the Bible actually calls them scoundrels. Eli's sons were scoundrels. But it says, he makes this contrast. The author knows exactly what he's doing. Eli's sons were dishonoring God. Eli's sons were stealing from God. Eli's sons were despising the offering and the sacrifice of God. But Samuel, as a little boy, was ministering before the Lord. Listen to the purity there. Listen to the devotion. Listen to the heart after God. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. An ephod was simply a priestly garment, kind of looked like an apron, went over the shoulders, you'd tie it around. And it was something on the outward that defined or it indicated an inward calling. This is what sets apart the priesthood, the ephod. So even as a young boy, this boy was marked with what he was wearing to signify there is a calling on my life. Let's keep reading. Verse 19, each year his mother made him a little robe, and she took it to him, and she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, and he said, may the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. The actual word there in the Hebrew is to give to something as a loan. Hannah loaned Samuel to God. We can talk more about that later, but that's ridiculous. Then they would go home, verse 21, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah, and she gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So he's got a praying mama who's making sideways, you know, backroom deals with God. He's consecrated as a Nazarite. He's been committed to the purposes of God. He's growing up in the presence of the Lord. The boy grew up in the presence of God. Look at verse 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with his people. This is not coincidental that the scripture keeps repeating the same thing. He grows up in the presence of God. He grows up in the presence of God. The boy Samuel is ministering before the Lord. The boy Samuel is growing up underneath Eli. The boy Samuel is receiving a linen ephod. And then we find out that the boy is experiencing and growing in favor with God and with people. Which tells me that Samuel wasn't so heavenly minded that he wasn't any earthly good. He wasn't so spiritual that he lost favor with men. And he wasn't so worldly that he lost favor with God. That Samuel grew up in such a way that he had good people skills, he had good manners, he knew how to honor the social customs of the day, but at the same time, he had enough fear of the Lord in his life that he was living righteous before God so that God's favor was poured out upon him and man's favor was poured out upon him. And I hope that when you read that, that you also hear Luke chapter 2, verse 52, because this is the exact same thing that we find about Jesus, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. It's not enough that you come to prayer meetings and show up late to work. 
It's not enough that you pray in tongues and you treat people rudely. Come on, somebody. We got to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. In fact, I believe that the more we grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God, that we should be growing in wisdom and stature and favor with the people that are around us. One should affect the other, and we find this in Samuel's life. Go to chapter 3. This is when things start to get really delicious. Verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. Here's that phrase again. He ministered before the Lord. He grew up in the presence of God. He ministered before the Lord. He grew up in the presence of God. So he ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Say that, rare. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, remember last week, we ended the book of Judges talking about the fact that there was no king in the land and that everyone did what was good in their own sight. Immorality and lawlessness reigned. And we find that in this vacuum of spiritual leadership, God applies pressure to bring forth a prophetic voice. And he's just reiterating what the culture looks like in that hour. What is Samuel being born into? What is he being raised up to address? In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So one night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. He's lying down in the house of the Lord, and i got to love this, where the ark of God was. Where the ark of God was. How many guys know what the ark represents? The presence of God. This boy grew up near the presence of God. This boy grew up in a home environment that was saturated with the presence of God. You know, one of my philosophies in creating a home and creating a house, a spiritual house, is that if we can just create a place where the presence of God is real enough and strong enough and constant enough, that we'll become so hungry because we have tasted of the presence of God. That's what I want in this house. That's what I want in this space. And I want you to be able to come into this place and go, oh, my God, this place is different from the other environments that I'm in. There's something different about this space. The peace of God is reigning in this place. It's easier to hear God in this place. The spiritual sensitivity in my spirit is is heightened in this place. Do you realize that you can affect the spiritual climate of the places that God has called you to? We, that we don't have to become victims to the climates that we go into at school, in the locker room, uh, on the soccer team, in, in our businesses, at the grocery store, that as a child of God, that you walk into that place carrying a presence about you. I've walked into some homes uh, of God-fearing people that I walk into those places, but God's not in that place. Uh, confusion and division and anger and sarcasm and fear reign in those environments, and yet those people are good, God-fearing Christians, but their environment is not reflecting the environment of heaven. And I'm here to announce to you today that wherever you go, that you can draw the presence of God into those places, that you can create a climate. You can create a climate One of the things that I love and hate about Colorado is that we don't have a climate of moisture. We have tricks. Right? I mean, we probably had more moisture and more rain in Colorado Springs this year than ever before. And guess what? We still in the desert, y'all. 
because it has not changed the climate. Oh, I could go here. It's not enough to have a breakthrough one day. It's not enough to call on heaven one day. It's not enough to come into the house and clap one day and lift your voice one day. It's not enough to come and and tear strongholds down in your business one day. You got to do that thing over and over. You got to bring rain. You got to bring rain into your environment until you change a climate. Come on. Samuel grew up near the ark. He was hungry for the presence of God. And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, and he says, here I am, and he runs over to Eli. And I don't have the time to make this as funny as I want to because, I, because we're time is running short. But he runs to Eli, and he says, here I am. And Eli wakes up, verse, verse 5, he ran to Eli. He says, here I am. You called me. I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, and he went to Eli, and he said, here I am. You called me. And my son, he said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And this is the verse. This is the verse. This is the verse that arrested me. You know, sometimes if you're with God long enough, and if you read slowly enough, and you, if you read with the eyes of your heart, there will be moments when you're reading the scriptures, and it, something just grabs you, right? It grabs you. We're moving from chronos to kairos. We're moving from just duty to devotion and to delight. We're moving into the place of revelation where the word of God opens up and something drops into your spirit and then real life change happens. And uh, this is what Christy was referring to. She's over there doing a workout and a kairos moment hits me. And oh God, uh, there it is. It hit me. Verse seven, look with me. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because I've just talked with you about the fact that his mama grew up in the most painful experience that she could, that she could bear, and she took all of that, and she cashed in that worship before God, and God promised her a son. So Samuel grew up as a man that was consecrated before, uh, before he was ever in his mother's womb. He was already consecrated to the purposes of God. He comes out of the womb and he was already devoted and dedicated to the purposes of God. He grows up and he's, he grows up literally, literally, literally in the presence of God. Probably not a day in his life where he didn't, under, he didn't know the fullness of the manifestation of God's presence that was emanating off of the ark, which was the full embodiment of the presence of God contained in one vessel. And here Samuel is sleeping next to the next to the embodiment of the presence of God. Are you listening to me today? He's got all the outward markings. He's wearing the right stuff. The scripture tells us that he ministered before the Lord. You know what that word means? That he grew up serving. That he grew up serving. Eli was an old man, so he needed the strength of a young man. And Samuel grew up doing stuff like this, filling communion cups and vacuuming the floor and straightening the chairs and and, and, wiping throw-up off of toddlers when they throw up four times on somebody in the same 30 minutes. That was a true story, by the way. Uh, Taking out trash and and chopping up wood and putting it on the altar and, and preparing animals to be put on the altar. This is Samuel's job. He grew up serving God. So he knows what it is to serve God, and he doesn't know God. He grows up in the presence of God, and he doesn't know God. He's been committed to the purposes of God, and he doesn't know God. He's wearing all the right clothes to church, and he doesn't know God. That Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
Do you realize that there is a way that you can live your Christianity, that you can do all the right things? Holy Ghost, I need the anointing right now because if I'm just talking to one person, it's worth it. And I think I'm talking to a young person because you can grow up in a Christian home. You can grow up on family devotions at the table every night, listening to Focus on the Family podcast. Hey, Adventures in Odyssey on all the road trips, right? Dedicated here, hands laid on you, coming up to the altar, oil splashed on you. Kids camp, youth camp, going to all the mission trips, giving all your money away, and yet not know the Lord. And I've got a burden today that I'm carrying today right now. Friends, I'm dreaming of a house that doesn't just roll into this place sleepy, that doesn't roll into this place like like you want to be entertained. Like, listen, there are incredible churches. If you're looking for a good, cute, consumer, Christian experience to knock your little list off, listen, I love you, and I want you here, but if you're here, we're running. We're running. We're running. We're digging. You're going to get challenged, and you're going to get provoked, and you're going to get encouraged, and it's going to be all in love. But I'm here to tell you today, listen, we're not going to play church up in this house. We're not going to do it because that's not going to be our testimony. God needs a prophetic voice to come out. And up to this moment, what he has is he has someone that is doing all of the right things with probably all of the right motives. I believe that Samuel was doing everything that he knew how to do. His mom said, Samuel, do this. Yes, ma'am, I'm going to do this. And Samuel's just doing what he's told to do, and he doesn't know God. Guys, why do you come? Oh, I ain't got time to go here, but why do you come here? Why do you come here? Let me shift gears here. Some of you guys know that I've been coaching football last year and this year. And, and you know, this year we've had to lean into a new crop of young seventh graders. And we're just like, hey, listen, why are you coming here? There's all kinds of places. You, man, listen, this is way too hard. It's way too gritty and way too grisly. And we're going to require way too much of you to be here if you don't really want to be here. Because we're going to push you and we're going to stretch you and we're going to challenge you. And we're going to run you and we're going to make you say yes, coach, when we tell you to do something. You're not going to fly, fly off sideways at us. Why are you here? Why are you here? Like, are you here just because you want to hang out with your buddies or you want to wear a uniform? Like, why are you here? And guys, we got to get into that. We got to get into that in the church, in America, in this hour. And all of you young ones who've grown up with Christian families, it is a blessing. But I'm here to announce to you today, all of you young ones still living in Christian homes, you've got to get in God's face. And you've got to discover God for you. For you. You know what the word there is in the Hebrew? The word is yada. Yada. Samuel did not yet yada the Lord. Can somebody pray for time to stand still like it did in the Old Testament for a few minutes? Samuel did not yada the Lord. You know what that word means? It means that Samuel did not perceive God. Do you know that you can be around God and not perceive God? That the Pharisees were around Jesus and never perceived Jesus. And that's why he says you are in error because you do not know the truth even though you know the scriptures. Do you know that you can know the scriptures and not know the truth of the scriptures? That you can know theology and not know the God of theology? That you can sing the songs and you can miss the heart? 
That Samuel did not yada the God. He, he did not perceive when God was moving. He didn't perceive the heart of God. Some of us, we know the law of God, but we don't know the heart of God. He didn't yada God. He didn't recognize what God was up to. He, he didn't have spiritual eyes to recognize God is in this place. God is speaking. God's, God wants to do this. All the right things. And yet he didn't know God. And where are you today? Where are you today? What I want to do today is I want to awaken a hunger to know God inside of you. Friends, listen, Christianity, it's way too hard to just go through motions and not know him. To not know him. To not know his heart and his voice. To not know the passions of his heart. To not know the things that burn inside of him. Because that's what Christianity is about. That's what will change you. That's what will change you. Samuel did not yada the Lord. You know the other word, the other nuance of yada? It's sexual intercourse. It's that level of intimacy. It's that level of God you can see and you can have every part of me. It's that level I'm stripping everything off, I'm stripping everything down, and God, you can read all of me just as long as you let me read all of you. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. Yada. Psalm 25 verse 14 says that the Lord confides in those who fear him. You know what that word means? It means he shares his secrets. The actual word picture in the Hebrew is pillow talk. It's that, it's that place of intimacy where you're laying down and you're face to face and you're eye to eye and you're focusing on every feature and every nuance of that person that you love and then you're soul opens up and you begin bearing the deepest parts of your soul, your dreams and your fears. That is what God wants. And that is what God is inviting you into. Go with me to Philippians chapter three. I'm going to end with this. And Jonathan, you can come forward. There's a man by the name of Paul in the New Testament. Paul's story looks very similar to Samuel's because Paul previously known as Saul, was one of the greatest religious leaders of that day. Memorized every word, every semicolon, every dash, every hyphen, every comma. He knew the word, and he didn't know God. He knew the word so well, and yet he was murdering God's people. Murdering. How does that compute? Listen, how does that compute how does it compute when you weaponize theology and you weaponize Bible scriptures to overpower and to steamroll other people and not lay your life down? I'm just here to tell you, you may know the Bible, but you don't know the God of the Bible. And that was Saul. He was legalistically faultless. Like, I don't even know if I could say that to say, listen, hey, there ain't one thing, one thing that I haven't done. He was perfect as far as religion goes. And this is what he says. It says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, we who boast in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. <laughs> this brother was bold. Like you, that's like Kobe. That's like Mamba mentality. That's assassin mode. 
I mean, you, you got to know there ain't nobody out there who's putting more work than me right now. I'm, I'm going to shake all of y'all down. That's Paul right now. Looking at this, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, I was so zealous that I was putting people to death for what I thought was right. As for righteousness based on the law, boom, faultless. But whatever was a gain to me now, I consider it a loss for the sake of Christ. It doesn't mean anything. The Bible studies, the 4 a.m. devotionals, the men's meetings, the women's meetings, the table times, the worship times, the giving of all my money, all of it doesn't mean a thing if it doesn't lead me to the person of Jesus. If it doesn't place me squarely at the feet of Jesus. If my giving of my offering doesn't place me at the feet of Jesus. If my giving of my offering makes me walk away saying, yeah, dude, check me out. Yeah, I gave 12% this week, dude. I'm balling. And if it doesn't place me at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I want you. God, this is for you. It's worthless. Whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Oh God, I'm grateful that I got to go to ORU for eight years and get two degrees, but I just, I'm here to tell you God, they're garbage because I need you. It's all garbage. It's worthless. It's worthless. You can take the pastor title. You can take the building. You can take it all. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. God forbid we ever grow to thousands and lose Jesus. God forbid we ever have millions rolling up in here and we lose Jesus. God forbid that we send out dozens of teams a year and we lose Jesus. I could care less if we've got hundreds of table groups and lose Jesus. I don't need Grammy winners. I don't need people that sound good. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. God, I consider it all a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing my King. I want to know you. I want to know you, God. I want to know you. God, I don't need financial security. I don't need a position or a retirement. I need you. I need you. I don't need people to know my name in the streets. I don't need to be on Charisma Magazine or speak on podcasts or go to conferences, God. I need you. I want to know you. Give me 10 people in a room who want to just know God. That's what I'm looking for. That's what we're building. We're building a house full of that right there. Oh, God, arrest us.
Capture us with the holy love of God. Oh, God, I consider it all a loss. I don't need the pomp. I don't need the circumstance. I don't need the religious rituals. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need. I don't care if I preach another sermon in my life. Give me you. Oh, God, I need you. I want to know you. I want to catch eyes with you. And when you give me just a little bit of a glance, I want to know exactly what it means. I want to know your nudges. When I'm in the grocery store and someone falls over, God, I want to, I want to feel your nudges. Oh, God, I want to be able to be so sensitive to the work that you're doing in other people's lives, God. Because I know your heart. Because I know your heart. Listen, church, revelation flows out of intimacy. 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 You want revelation? Revelation's not the goal. Intimacy's the goal. You get intimacy, he'll give you revelation. I want to invite you all to stand this morning. I'm going to consecrate this house again to the Lord. I've said it to you a thousand times, God. This place is yours. This house is yours. This table is yours. This building is yours. These microphones are yours. These instruments are yours. Our worship team is yours. Our table group leaders are yours. Everything we do in this house is consecrated to you. No joke, God. I'm here like Hannah to tell you in the same way that Hannah dedicated Samuel to you. I dedicate this house to you. It belongs to you. I put it on loan to you. I give it as a gift back to you. This is your house, God. And you can wreck it all. You can ruin it. And you can disrupt it. And you can tear it all down and build it back together just as long as we have you, God. Oh, I want your presence in this house. Holy Spirit, do what no person can do and bring revelation. Awaken hunger. Awaken hunger, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Friends, I want to invite you to come to the table. You can exit on your left. You can receive the body. You can receive the cup. And when we come and when we put that to our lips today, I am praying that God meet you, that God meet you, that he encounter you. Oh, it all boils down to an encounter with the living God. Not an emotion, but an encounter. And the last thing I just want to say is this. Listen, I'm not knocking any of those things because it was every single one of those things. It was, it was the prayer life of his mom. It was the dedication of his mom. It was growing up in the presence. It was having Eli as a mentor. It was wearing the right priestly garments. It was all that, that with the right heart positioned him for an encounter. So friends, don't lose heart today. You keep showing up. You keep reading your Bible. You keep praying. You keep going to groups. You keep nurturing a hunger. And I promise you, God will encounter you. And when God encounters you, you'll never lose it ever. Come on to the table.
Boy, Jonathan taking me back. Tell you exactly where I was in some of these songs that he's singing right now. 
promises that I made to God, altars that I built with God over these songs. I'm so jealous. Some of the older saints in here that you have relational history with God. I mean, I got 30, 35 years, but oh, to have 50 and 60 and 70 years of relational history with God. Guys, that's what we're building. We're building relational history with God. The God who loves you. The God who knows you and loves you because he knows you. He loves you and he knows everything about you. And he loves you. And he's for you. Friends, today was a message calling us back to the central thing, and that's knowing Jesus. This is not something that we do by our works. It's not something that we do by doing the right things. It's very simply something we say yes to. Knowing God is a grace. It's a grace that we just say yes. Oh, God, I say yes. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him at all. But there's something that's kindling inside of me where I want to know him. I'm just going to invite everybody really quickly to bow your heads and close your eyes. Or you can look at your cup so that you can steady it so you don't drop it. But I want to announce to you today that God created you to love you. He created you to know you. And he created you to have deep, intimate, abiding, close fellowship with you. He created you for you to know him. For you to have yada, intimate acquaintance with the living God. Not head knowledge, not stories, not fables, not religious routines, but intimacy with the living God. And we threw that all away. We chose our own self-independence over intimacy with God. And we've made a royal mess of it for thousands of years. And then God said, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to call you back to me. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, born in the flesh. The scriptures say that Jesus went around doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed of the devil. He was wrongly accused. He was unjustly executed by the hands of sinful people, and he was put to death. But when he put to death, he paid the punishment and the price for our sin against God, and he bore it. He took it upon himself, and he defeated its power. Because three days later, the scriptures tell us that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah. And when he did that, he broke open the floodgates of access with God again. And now today, I announce to you, over the body and over the cup, your sins are forgiven. And intimacy with God has been restored. And all you need to say is, yes, God, I receive. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a son or a daughter. I come to you. I'm going to give you a moment to just, in your heart and with your lips, acknowledge that. Speak that, declare that. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. You can break this in your hand. And he says, this is my body broken. For you, friends, let us receive the body of Christ. And then he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. My blood is shed for the absolute remission and covering and removal of sin. Friend, your sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ. Let us receive. Can we just give a nasty hand clap today 
Just a nasty, nasty hand clap of thanksgiving, God. Oh! Thank you, God. I'm so grateful. We love you. Hold your hands wide open if you would, church. I'm going to send you out without a doxology. It's going to be okay. May the Lord bless you today. May the Lord kiss your face. May the Lord draw you close. May the Lord whisper in your ear. May the Lord encounter you. May the Lord meet you face to face. Oh, may the Lord draw your heart into his. May the Lord birth the work of God in your spirit. May the Lord go before you and be behind you. May the Lord hem you up on both sides. And may the Lord reveal that you are a beloved son and a beloved daughter called into his kingdom for godly purposes for such a time as this. Now we send you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Midtown. Love you so much.